gathered together from the cosmic reaches of the universe here in this great hall of justice. Superheroes have to be around other superheroes. You know what I mean? That's the Hall of Justice is more about them just commiserating about their powers and less about them like actually fighting crime. So what uh what is this place anyway? Is this some type of fancy DMV? Are you kidding? It's the Hall of Justice. Seth Everett is the best there is at what he does, bub. And what he does is the Hall of Justice podcast. Go, go, go with a smile. Hey, folks, welcome to another edition of the Hall of Justice. This is episode 323, our final episode in the month of February. Make sure you stay tuned. Make sure you subscribe because we've got some special treats coming for you in March. But until then, there's another Marvel movie to review. Uh, it's another installment in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. We've been doing a lot more of these because now it's not just the movies. There's the TV shows and uh, animated shows and all kinds of different things. So we've been doing a lot of Marvel. Uh, but this is the first movie of the uh, alleged new Phase 5. It's entitled Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantum Mania. And uh, to review this and to uh, welcome back any excuse I get to welcome this guy back to the podcast. He is uh, he's my tech guru, uh, but he's not your IT guy. He's also a massive, massive superhero expert. Uh, the great Brian Tong is with us once again. Brian, thanks so much for taking time out. You're doing like 76 videos and 89 podcasts. Thank you so much for squeezing us in. It is an honor. It's never a squeeze in. Come on, Seth. Like, we've been doing this for a while. So uh, I love being here. Love being a part of it. So I'm ready to talk it out. And, you know, I think you have thoughts about Ant-Man Quantumania. And <laughs> I do, too. And I don't know if we're going to agree on this one. We'll find I out. I don't know. Uh, here's where I want to start. It is better than Doctor Strange. Yes. Thor, Love of Thunder. Yes. And yes. Black Panther. It's better than all three of them. <laughs> better than a, how about in, it 100 agree it's, i yes. had a major gripe with all three of those i don't have a major gripe with this one um in this one my logic for for this one is it, 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 if it's a chapter in a book it's it's a book i'd continue to read but there was nothing about it that screamed to me that said oh my god this was some kind of an epic and what I can say about the Marvel phases, it's not just phase three and four that get all the, the accolades. Phase two of the MCU were some of the best superhero movies you'd ever seen. And this doesn't hold a candle to that. Like if you're going to compare this to, you know, the, the Captain America, the Winter Soldier, this is not even remotely close. If you're going to compare this to the first Ant-Man, this isn't close. So to say it's better than Thor Love and Thunder, I just don't think that's high praise. Let's be honest with phase four. The bar was pretty low from a standpoint of and I, I look at perspective from this. OK, first of all, Shang-Chi, solid movie. Great. First act, second act, third act. Too much. Um, too much. Act Thor Love and Thunder. Yeah. Thor, Thor Love and Thunder obviously just went off the rails so bad. It completely just 
but hurt the film. And yes, it was a fun time, but that's not a rewatchable movie for me. Um, you know, you have Multiverse of Madness, very okay, like did some things. But if you think about the impact that those two movies, specifically Thor, Love and Thunder, Multiverse of Madness had, you could have actually gone without those movies even happening and nothing has fundamentally changed about those characters or the universe. And most likely we'll get a little quip in a future movie where Dr. Strange might say, I've been a zombie once. And that's all that the impact of multiverse of madness had and Thor, we might not even really acknowledge much that happened other than Jane temporarily came back. Now, if you look at how, you know, you, you mentioned winter soldier, one of the, in my opinion, top five movies of the MCU. Okay, this is done by the Russo brothers. You can tell, you can feel it. You can see how serious they take the material, but also the impact of that storyline, which has repercussions. The problem is that we aren't getting many stories here that have many repercussions for the future. And I'm not saying we have to always look down the road, but I like these characters to develop something or something, whether it's tragic, traumatic, or important to happen in their journey. We saw Iron Man, at least things happen in his journey. And uh, when you look at the the early MCU, yeah, we had some character films that were all right. And they are laying the foundation for what is to come in phase three and phase four. I don't think we've really had too much of that. Shang-Chi lays a foundational piece. But when we get to Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania, um, I'm okay that it's not an epic because to me, it's not supposed, we are not going to be able to match the likes of Infinity War Endgame I don't think we ever will. So I think there's a lot of expectation when when Marvel right, hypes but that's up not as, apples this is to apples. the most right, important that, movie. No, right. it's not. It's not. If, but if when Marvel hypes phase up as, five, this is if, the most important movie. Yeah. Right. If this is phase five, let's, I'm okay let's with this go movie. through phase two. Let's go through phase two. Phase two consisted of some clunkers. Uh, Iron Man three. I didn't love uh, Thor. The Dark World didn't love. Captain America, the Winter Mm-mm. Soldier, one of the best. Guardians of the Galaxy 1, one of the best. Avengers Age of Ultron, fine. And the first Ant-Man, charming as fuck. So mm-hmm. in that, in that you had movies that were establishing the personality. Getting into the concepts of this movie, you spend four minutes in the world before you are shrunk down to the quantum realm. The quantum realm that we were under the impression you couldn't survive in. Yet Michelle Pfeiffer lived there for 30 years and a whole civilization <laughs> developed. So clearly it's not that bad. Um, and then you are in the throngs of CGI. Like, And I'm not anti-CGI, but it feels like these guys could have recorded this movie in their homes. It was entirely like like some some of these scenes, and I heard a review. Uh, I, I, I heard another podcast review on NPR, and I and I I, I want to take one of the the comments they made. The scene with uh, with Bill Murray, and they're sitting at that table with Bill Murray. It doesn't even look like they're in the mm-hmm. same room. Like <laughs> Bill Murray could have filmed his scenes months later. I it it just seems very very heavy digital and that's fine but it's not supposed to be an animated movie and it just it didn't have any of the gumption i i don't know i mean i don't to me 
okay, so let's talk about this. Not that that ma- not that this matters matters, but it gives a perspective of how the audience receives the Ant Man series in general. Okay, so let's say Ant Man and the Wasp, the very first one. Okay, and this also is interesting because I think it this is going to indicate how critics have changed their feelings about the MCU. First, first Ant Man and the Wasp, eighty percent, eighty seven percent critic score, eighty percent audience score. Second, sorry about this. So Ant Man, first Ant Man is the first Ant-Man. yeah, first Ant Man. First Ant-Man is actually 83% tomatoes meter, 85% audience score. Second one, Ant-Man and the Wasp, 87% tomato meter, 80% audience score. So we're, we're talking about pretty much roughly about the same response in general. This movie, the third one, Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania, 48% tomato meter, 84% audience score. The audience has actually stayed very consistent with how they feel about the Paul Rudd genre style of movie. The critics have changed and i don't i don't know well i have a few inklings of what's happening here um i definitely did not think it was a 48 percent style movie if you're telling me this is below captain marvel it's um, not this is it's not awful it's it's not not awful by any stretch i feel that there is mark there is superhero fatigue from the critic side if, if the audience was turning on this and saying, even if the audience said this is a 60% movie, that would tell me, oh, the audience is not enjoying these films. The audience is enjoying these films. But when you hear some of the uh, narratives of high caliber directors from the past kind of now sinking, really doubling down on the superhero genre is not film, I think it's actually starting to affect some of these critics who you who were rating these movies at 80, 80, 90 level and now saying, oh, Maybe we need to correct, you know, because we're hearing this from the, you know, the movie, you know, you know, the high high end cinema that we need to reevaluate this. There's no way this is a 48 percent movie. Um, and it shows that maybe there's a tone change happening. That is some of it is affecting audiences, maybe. But in general, this got an 84 audience score. That tells me that they're still locked in with what these movies are trying to do whether or not they move the needle as much. And I do think this movie does move the needle for phase five. Let, let, let's clarify one, one thing. First of all, um, the introduction of Kang uh, was necessary. And if this movie only accomplished that, that's, that's fine. Um, what it established was I'm going to enjoy Kang being the main big bad. Like, I, I think that's a, that's a, that's a good thing. Uh, you know, I have no issue with that. I think Jonathan Majors is fantastic in that role. Incredible. Incredible. But what it made me do is question Loki again. Like, I, I didn't love Loki. I, I thought Loki was a lot of dialogue without a lot of action. And I don't understand why you took a character that died and shoehorned him into this time thing. Uh, it seems like it was... You were reading your 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 trending numbers, and Tom Hiddleston's <laughs> a charming charming guy, but you you shoehorned Loki in like Loki died, and Loki's best moment were had already happened. You know his best living moment and his be- his, his death scene was incredible, and to shoehorn Loki in, and I I, I didn't like that show. I, I I I didn't understand it. Plus, I think it was episode four of that show. They spent half of it sitting six feet apart on a train. And I wondered if COVID was impacting the filming of this, this thing. Um, so his role in the finale of Loki as the, he who remains 
you didn't you you showed this out of order in the sense that show me the backstory of Kang, which you did specifically and well in this movie and not have me question, well, wait a second, what about that guy that you already introduced me to? Who's technically the same guy, but he's a different variant of him. He's not a household. He's not enough of a household name. It's not like bringing in Tobey Maguire, Andrew Garfield into a Tom Holland movie. It's different. It's different. And so what you did was you muddied your origin story when you had a whole movie dedicated to his origin story. Well, I also think to your point, we're we're starting to get in the territory now where these movies are pulling from what we're getting to the point where these movies are now getting into comic book territory where anything can happen. Things can be confusing. And sometimes you put your hands up in the air and just say comics, but, right, but that, I don't know but if that that's what it is. It's comics, very, but yeah, but I, I don't know if that translates very well to the general audience. We, you know, I've talked about this on your show. I don't, these movies are made more for a general audience that are taking the, the storylines and comics as an inspiration versus being made for comic book lovers. So there is going to be a level of like, huh? But ultimately, if we trust the process and they get to this final end game thing, we'll see. I I, I just don't think from a story standpoint, the Infinity Stones are really easy to understand for someone who doesn't read comic books at all. And that's why it's, it's going to be the iconic franchise and because the timing of it and how it's built up. When you start talking about multiversal stuff, this is going to be a lot harder to follow. This is going to be a lot harder. Whatever this, you know, Secret Wars, uh, you know, even Secret Invasion. Who's a scroll? Who's not? How's that impact the path? There's going to be a lot of loopholes. This, this, once we get into the multiverse, it's going to be a lot more difficult for this to make sense for a lot of viewers. And I think that's going to be their biggest challenge moving forward. Is no matter how good and how impressive Kang and all the variants of Kang are. People are gonna be like, wait, which Kang is that? There it's it's gonna happen. And so yeah. I don't I don't know if this I mean, I love all this as someone who's you know read comics all my life, but I just don't think this is gonna be nearly as easy for an a general audience to understand. I'm not saying that they're dumb, it's just that there's a lot, it's a lot more confusing and going to be trickier to just be straight up. This is the bad guy, he's looking for stones, and he's so powerful. It's not gonna be like that straightforward. Let me uh uh take a uh well, I'll go on the tangent in a second. Um. No, hold on. All right, let's go on a quick tangent here, and we'll come back to this movie in a second. Uh, do you agree with this statement? Any fan of the Marvel universe and any true comic book fan has to love every everything, everywhere, all at once. No. Oh, I thought I see. I think if you're a comic book fan, you love that movie. You love. I that. I think. I mean, I I love. I I absolutely adore that movie. But I think most people that I talk to have never read comics and love that movie. Are you saying that if your is your statement saying that if you've read that's comics, a, that's a classic like default, multiverse that's adventure. A, that's a, the only difference yeah, is they're not great. wearing costumes. That's as I, much of a comic book movie as anything. It is, but I don't know many. I mean, I know a lot of people who've never seen that movie. I mean, it's it's my top. It's that movie and Top Gun Maverick for different reasons were my top two films of the year easily. And really, because of its original style of story, everything everywhere all at once is my favorite movie of the year. Absolutely. I tell everyone know that. But when I tell people that I would say 80 percent of people I tell that have never don't even really know what that movie is about. 
right? And so you kind of have to give them a little nudge. It's a hard watch to watch I, I, it. You, you, it's it's not a movie you can watch ca- casually. We we did a whole episode on it, and and you know the 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 idea to me is uh, everything is rooted in what makes comic books like the whole multiverse concept. I mean, that's the crisis on infinite earths. That's the, 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 this upcoming, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. uh, you know, Dr. Strange in the multiverse of madness. Like it's, it's, it's all the same. Now, if you want to say everything everywhere, all at once did it better. Fine. (laughs) That I'll say, I'll, I'll say that the Daniels made a better film but they made a better comic book movie. That's what they made. The only difference yeah. is they don't they didn't have the source material. You know, to me what what that compares to is the Umbrella Academy or 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 the mm-hmm. Boys. You know, like an original concept, not something taken from 80 years of history. All right, back to uh Quantum Mania. I'm just going to say one word and I'll just let you have the floor. Modoc Modoc. Oh, this I mean, this is I think he's gonna be or he still is a polarizing character of this film, depending on which side of the coin you're on. I think people who, to your point, read comics, I think they enjoy Modoc. I really do if they understand the character and it's kind of like his petulance and his moodiness and his quirkiness. I wasn't the biggest fan of how they wrapped his face on Modoc. It looked I get it. I know what Modoc's face is kind of stretched and scrunched, but I I feel like they kind of just pulled his face over a polygon it didn't look as clean as i had hoped it would um but i think modok is a character that a general audience might be like what the hell is this i'm not buying this i'm not into this and uh i've talked to some people that thought that was like a weird part that kind of took them out of the movie per se but Mm -hmm. i enjoyed it (laughs) i Mm -hmm. i thought i thought it was great it was funny and i will say his death with I know for a fact his death kind of turned off some people who, again, did not buy into the whole Modoc idea. So he is when you throw your hands up in the air, like I said before, and say comics, Modoc is that type of character. And so I, I, I'm curious in general how overall audiences received him or not, but clearly the audience score from uh, does does says shows that they were they were they were still okay with him. What do you think of the idea that they took Yellow Jacket from the first movie and made him Modoc? That doesn't bother me. I I think that they it a brought some that familiarity. Has, like, a villain that has an expansive history. Like he does, to me, this, but they, this is Marvel. How about this, this is Marvel saying, you know, sorry, comics, you're too stupid. We had to tie it into our earlier movies, yes. and we got. You know, Corey Stull, who's yeah. a great actor, who looks really weird with that head. Yeah, it's just weird. I, I think that this is a this is the thing. If if you treat Modoc how he's treated in the comics, you, you would do a dedicated movie for Modoc. But here, because the MCU adapts and changes how things are presented to the general audience, you can't establish Kang and give Modoc a true, you know, justice to his story in the same movie right modok is really his own thing but in this movie he's kind of a foil and that's that's the thing that i do hate and have a problem where some of these characters that are great characters get turned into foils get turned into disposable characters for whether it's humor or for comedy they aren't able to develop the depth of these characters and i think it does hurt overall but from a casual standpoint i think it serves its purposes comedic relief it's funny it's a weird character the quantum realm is supposed to be weird um but 
did they do justice for Modoc? No, but was it a good entertainment piece? Yeah, sure. I mean, in the comics, his name is George Tarleton, and he was, you know, he was in AIM. He was in, in, you know, he was, he was, uh, you know, a bad guy. He, 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 he lived forever. He fought, you know, the Silver Age. He fought in the, mo- the modern age. I mean, you know, that that was the way it goes. Now, you could also argue that um, Anton Ivanov, the superior, in the fourth and fifth season of Marvel's Agents of Shield, uh, became Modok. So, you know, they're already starting to, you know, counteract its own continuity. And, you know, there's all that kind of nonsense and everything. I just thought the biggest thing from my standpoint is, to me, that's like that's like the way Marvel felt about the Mandarin. Like they read the comics and they went, nah, too stupid. <laughs> we're we're going to change this. And that's that's the argument. I mean, there's 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 plenty there's of examples where it's worked. Like, look. Yeah, there's times where it's worked and it hasn't worked. A great example of how it worked, let's Thanos's reason for collecting the stones was to impress Lady Death in the comics. The way that they adapted him to balance out the world population, yeah. that actually was genius from more a sense. general yeah. audience standpoint, 100%. So I think there's times where these decisions that are made are great, and there's times where it you're kind of like, as a fan, you're like, damn, but they have to do this you know right there it's never going to be true and i don't in in a way i don't want it to always be exactly like the comics i want to be surprised but the fact is that aim doesn't even exist in the mcu right now so like what and were so you that opens do? up a right. whole new can of worms right that opens up a whole new area that then takes us in another direction and yeah. unfortunately that's just too much the um the best example of uh changing the comics history i i think your example of thanos is uh, a brilliant one uh, the uh, origin of Iron Man. You know, don't forget the original Iron Man came out in 2008. That's seven years after 9-11 to bring in a Middle Eastern component into it, and make it very relevant with terrorism and everything, mm-hmm. uh, which mm-hmm. was still in the very front of mind of the public consciousness, you know, all of a sudden made Iron Man relevant. Um, you know, the, the, that that's a, a great example. To me, the, the worst example is when uh, you had Ben Kingsley uh, pretend to be the Mandarin, who mm-hmm. in the comics the is yeah. Iron Man's big bad, and then he became an alcoholic actor. And I just thought you you insulted your characters. I mean that you know that's my whole that's always been my whole argument. It, you know, we we reviewed a couple of months ago on the podcast we did a She Hulk, and I said I don't mind comedy, but don't demean Wong to make Wong, who's this powerful sorcerer, and just make him of a buffoonish character. Like, don't don't do that to your properties, like have the reverence for your characters because the fans do. The fans have the reverence for the characters. This is a great example. What you're talking about here. Look, why don't we why didn't we enjoy Thor Love and Thunder? Because Thor is treated like a stupid buffoon in the entire movie. Like we're looking right now for a new alpha to lead the next generation of the MCU. Thor was not into that movie. And what the things that stand out to me is, and yes, these are decisions made from the top, but if you look at every Russo brothers movie, they treat all of these characters with respect, even if they've been established differently, like winter soldier, civil war, of course, Endgame, infinity war. Thor is arguably his best version of Thor in infinity war, where he's treated more seriously. He's treated more vulnerable. He's treated like, 
Thor is not that Thor that you see in Infinity War doesn't exist in the other versions of Thor in the movies that we see. So it's the way that a director approaches and treats these characters. And when we when we get into the like the buffoonery area, it can be funny at times. But when you lean all into that, it just it's just like, what are we doing here? It becomes a a more slapstick than it needs to be. And Ant-Man has been established a certain quirky type of movie, but he's not a buffoon. And so right. you can roll with that, you know, right. but Thor Love and Thunder, I think that turned off people the most because it just became this, like everything has to be a joke on top of a joke on a joke. And then the movie just becomes a pile of whatever it is. But I, I really did not like that movie because of all of that. Like just again, for everyone who hasn't, Watch Thor and Infinity War and then watch Thor in Thor Love and Thunder. Right. And you're going to be like, what did they do this? It's guy? not even the same guy. That's it's, it's not no, even that's remotely I have an the issue same with guy. it. Yeah. Well, my my thing was the lack of the 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 insistence on humor versus story. You know, when when uh, when Natalie Portman uh, is in the is in the chemo room in the beginning of the movie. And uh, Darcy, you know, Kat Dennings character uh, is in, it, it, you know, she goes to visit her. Makes perfect sense. It's a cameo. She, she's not in the movie. She just shows up. They're sitting there talking about her book and they're making jokes about how she wrote a book. All I'm thinking is Natalie Portman says to, to, to Darcy and says, you know, Jane Foster says, holy moly, you were just in Westview, New Jersey. That was badass. That was crazy. I'm not even spending money. I'm not saying you have to show it. Like you don't have to show any special effects. You just have to do that. And then there was that scene in Thor love and thunder where uh, Thor is recounting their relationship. And it's like this play on sitcom life where like they're in the kitchen and they're like, you know, cooking dinner together and all this dumb. How about Jane was, was blipped. Thor went through a metamorphosis. Like talk about that. Like, that's their relationship. That's the context of their relationship. That's where I find the whole thing fascinating. You know, that that that's that's yeah. the problem with the whole thing. Well, even when they had Lady Sith die and then there was like, my arm is like, your arm doesn't go to Valhalla. Like, it was so, I was like, oh my gosh, this is stupid. This is stupid, man. So they don't need right. to do things like that. Um, but in that this was movie. That was Taika's vision, but whatever. Okay. In this movie, um, the fact that they go to the quantum realm so quickly. Now, again, I don't know about cutscenes and what was in the original script. Just the idea that you you do a good job of setting an establishment of what Scott's life was. I like that Scott Lang wrote a book. I like that he's narrating the book. <laughs> I, I I thought that was great. Paul Rudd is just stinking brilliant like he he's just he you know we probably should have said that at the top but uh it, it goes without saying he is so incredible and I'm, I'm i'm so impressed um the argument uh that you get with regard to everyone else's life you know cassie is older okay you know the little cassie that they had the fight in you know the big fight in the first ant-man in her room uh, which I loved, you know, because my kids were young at the time and they had all those toys and I thought that was great. I will say that the two times I got emotional in the movie is when Paul Rudd calls Cassie peanut. It's mm -hmm. the, it's the silliest thing, but I call one of my kids peanut. Like I have a munchkin <laughs> and a peanut. And, and I, every time 
Like when they when they get separated, like oh he can't get it separated from Peanut. That's Peanut, you know, like that. That's that's how. But that's just me. Like that's not that's not praise, you know, for anybody. That's that's just personally, you know, for for my thing. My argument um, comes from this idea of: Do you need to establish their life more? And do you want to know how Michelle Pfeiffer's Janet Van Dyne? is getting along because when you're reintroduced to her, she's talking about the same things she was talking about in the second movie. Like immediately it's about the quantum realm and then are mainly in the quantum realm. And you know, all of a sudden, don't worry, it's safe. Don't worry. It's safe. 10 minutes later, bam, you're in the quantum realm. Like, is it too fast? Like did the first, did the introduction of the plot just come to you too quickly? Like, doesn't a movie have to set itself up a little bit? I mean, I saw the movie twice already and I I looked at the pacing of it and I do think when I first saw it, it did feel like, oh, we're in it. But watching the second time, I don't know if we necessarily needed to spend enough beats. Not How about this? I don't know if we need to spend that many more beats outside of the quantum realm only because they had a lot to do in the quantum realm from a story standpoint. Could you put maybe one more one more beat in life. Like they had that dinner table thing where they expanded the pizza, right? They had the family conversation. They're talking about oh, Cassie the, the going pizza, to jail yeah, and yeah, what yeah, she's yeah, doing. Right. Pizza. Right. Like that, that that's a family beat that kind of shows you what they're doing. Um, I don't think they necessarily needed another one only because we, we kind of know where each of the characters stand, but was it a little fast? Sure. But I don't know if we necessarily really need another beat because, you know, as we transition time out this movie, I think that, when when I saw it twice, um, Jonathan Majors really elevates this movie. I I think this movie actually gets a lower score without Jonathan Majors because of he he takes his role seriously, right? Like there's all this fun stuff around him, but the fact that when you see this movie, you've got to say to yourself, no matter what happens, if he is the new big bad, which he is, he's going to be an amazing new big bad. He the depth. You you see his pain, his anguish. You feel it. He's a complex character, yeah. and he delivers this in a very complex way. He delivers his performance more complex than Thanos does. Like there's a lot of stuff going on with him that we don't know. Yeah. There's a lot of stuff going on with the variants that we don't know. It, it arguably sets us up as the Kang, the Conqueror that we saw here was not even. This was like a maybe a a a tier A or B not yeah, not yeah, s tier yeah. level king that we're dealing with so there's a lot happening here and i just think his performance stood out to me so much from a standpoint of like you not that they're coming back but you give if you gave the russos a tool like jonathan majors for a movie my goodness like look at how he his impact and his gravitas i i think he blew everyone else out of the water from an acting standpoint not that everyone is worse they're all great but he 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 is special for me well, in this movie. And I think that it's going to be incredible seeing how it evolves. Do it one step further. I mean, Kang is going to have to go up against everybody. He's going up against Shang-Chi, Shang-Chi and, and, and uh, he's going up against the Hulks, both of them and, and, and Captain Marvel and Ms. Mm-hmm. Marvel. And like, you're, you're going to throw the kitchen sink at this guy and he's going to have to combat that. So does he have the power? And if, again, if you read the comics and, He's been in animation and he's he was one of my favorite 
characters growing up. Like Kang was always the big bad. I, you know, I never knew him to be Jonathan Majors. Um, I, it, it's fine. You know, he, he like I like when he puts his suit on. He's he looks like the comics, and I think yeah. that's a good good. Uh, you know, that, that's that's fine. That's why I never understood the Loki part because the Loki part was like they don't call him Kang. Why why are they not calling him Kang? And you know, fine, he's a variant of Kang, but why can't they call him Kang? And he doesn't look like Kang, and I, I didn't understand uh, any any of that. But yeah, you know, hey, you know that's that's just me. And listen, you know, all of this stuff is probably all scripted out. You know what I liked about this movie is a lot of this stuff is kind of just nitpicky stuff in the sense that it's an enjoyable watch. It's a, it, it is. It's an enjoyable watch. It's a rewatchable movie. Absolutely. Because I kind of want to understand Absolutely. it better. I, I do want to see it again. I can wait for Disney Plus. I don't, I don't need to go out and see it again. Um, And I can't say that about the other ones. I tried. I, I will say Disney Plus fans. I tried to rewatch Wakanda forever. And I can't get past that first 10 minutes. That first 10 minutes infuriates me so much. Does the idea it really? that T'Challa, who fought off Killmonger and Thanos, dies off screen to a mysterious virus in an age where we know everything we know about viruses is absolute bullshit. Uh, that that's bullshit. That's Seth, what are, okay, that's the that's the lowest Seth. form. You put any stunt guy in that costume and have any bad guy kill him. And I'm fine with it. I am <laughs> fine with him dying. You cheapened T'Challa. You, you, that movie did a wonderful job of paying tribute to Chadwick Boseman. Mm -hmm. Did an awful job of tributing T'Challa. That's a that's an interesting point. I I I do see where you're coming from, and I I agree to a certain degree. I I think that I think the hard part about that movie is it's really somber all the way through. Like you have these ups and downs, but there's a common thread of like you said honoring Chadwick Boseman during the entire time. So you feel that, and so you feel the weight of it. But in the intro, um, the way that he passes is that frustrating to you? I I I I could see that now, right? Okay. I like his even, but again, the this movie happens. Chadwick Boseman passes away. This movie actually is also happening during the peak of COVID. Uh, the fact that they were able to pull off what they were able to pull off during those those specific moments in time. This movie is incredible when you think well, of that. It's an incredible but, production. Yes. But but the the mom, Angela Bassett's character, Ramonda, I think is her name. Yep. Um, yep. She should not get a better death than T'Challa in a movie called Black Panther. Mm -hmm. Like that's mm. what that's what happened. She gets a great death. Because what Good I point. think happened, the the main script was written with Chadwick Boseman in it. And when he died, for sure, they made one revision in the beginning. They added 10 minutes in the beginning. And then they did plug and play. So go back into the scene with the United Nations where Ramonda is speaking to them. Chadwick Boseman mm -hmm. was supposed to say that. T'Challa was supposed to say that. When Shuri is in the labyrinth of uh, Namor, T'Challa was supposed to say that. And when Shuri rallies the troops for the final battle, that's supposed to be T'Challa. All they did was they didn't change the movie because of T'Challa's death. They shoehorned T'Challa's death and they made a movie 
and all they did was plug. They did, did like in Microsoft Word, you know, if you hit Control H, you get Find Replace. That's what they did for the scenes. In the Ant-Man movie, there is not a major WTF moment that I'm like, what in the world is going on here? And they, they don't have that. But does here's here's the thing though. Do do these movies need to have that from a standpoint of again? No, no, I'm no. But, but there was a string look. where they all had. She Hulk had it. Uh, Ms. Marvel had it. There's something in all of these where I'm just like, what the fuck? What is going on? And in the movie I mean, world, isn't they're all having it. It's hard to say, and I don't. I'm not giving them a a sly a, a pass on this, but. You know, this is all about showing off Kang. And if we look at Thanos's appearance, it took us what little hints and teases of him for five years or so, I feel like, before we actually saw him in the flesh. And we're again, we're only seeing Kang one tier A, right? We're we're seeing Kang tier A, tier B for the first time. So people that were getting upset about like, oh. Show me more about Kang. Show him our history. I'm like, this was not the Kang that we're really focusing on. Like, he intimated that there's a whole lot worse coming. The end credit scene and the mid credit scene show us that there's more powerful Kangs that had a trouble killing this Kang. And now, out, I, I had to watch it twice, but during the time where they showed like the Rama Tut Kang and uh, like the really smart oh, the Kang, scene? I don't yeah, even know. Yeah, yeah the post credits, they, they, they refer to the fact that, like, oh, you weren't able to you weren't able to kill that Kang for yourself. And that's why that that basically kind of confirms at least that this variant was actually killed with a whole lot worse ones to come. Um, so we're just scratching the surface with who this guy is. And I think that we got a movie to see it and people want this stuff to accelerate this fast. I think there's a portion of the audience that expects every Marvel movie to be on the tier of Infinity War and Endgame, and that's just not going to happen. No, that, that's that not how happen. this but, works. But what I want is I want the heart of the early movies, and you know, there's there, there's there's flaws. Here's an example: in Ant Man, uh, Hank Pym plays a vital role, and it's a change for that character because remember, in the comics, Hank Pym was Ant Man and in joined the Avengers and. In the this, original this yep. iteration they've made the second you know scott lang was also ant-man in the comics but after years after after hank pym had had been ant-man and in the ultimate marvel uh universe uh hank pym was a was a, a spousal abuser like he, he was a he was a jerk um in this movie uh hank pym is a cartoon he 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 doesn't have a role in this movie. He, he doesn't do anything to advance the plot. He hangs with the ants. I okay. He's a little flummoxed that Michelle Pfeiffer fooled around in the thirty years that she was in the quantum quantum realm. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> like yeah, and you and you have this this iconic actor. Like you could have done so much with him, and Hank Pym is just kind of there. He's just kind of. I mean, you know, and he. He is he is there, but he's not. You know the way that they've presented he him in this version. Drive the bus. He's not. He's not the main character. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. He, 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 you know he, that. That's but how he's not a I key think. supporter. Like in the first Ant Man movie, he's a massive supporter. Like he's a he's a major major situation. And Cassie I mean, gets a gets a suit. Where did she come up with that? How did she make that? <laughs> 
They did it for her. They did it for her behind the scenes set that happened. Look, they even did. Hank Pym. They did it is, while he uh, is Black crucial. Pan- while T'Challa was sick. He Hank Pym is crucial. He brought the ants back that somehow were able to overthrow this version of Kang. I don't. Here's the biggest Kang flaw that I saw in this movie that I still don't understand. He was pulverizing people with his energy blast, literally disintegrating them. But then for some reason, when it came to a bunch of ants and when it came to Scott Lang and Wasp, none of his energy blasts had the ability to pulverize anything. I didn't understand that. That's the only thing that I was like, what happened? He was just casually disintegrating people. There was no explanation. You can't tell me that uh, Ant-Man's suit was strong enough to repel a a disintegrating energy blast. And for some reason, I think he used maybe one energy blast on Ant-Man during their whole fight that didn't disintegrate him. I didn't understand that. But hey, comics, (laughs) movies, that's all I got. That was my only gripe. I didn't understand. Well, and and again, I, I go back to what I said at the very beginning is that if, you know, if the MCU, if there's this giant book that is the Marvel Cinematic Universe, right? It's this this big book. And chapter one was Iron Man. And everything, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and Jessica Jones and uh, Luke Cage and, 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 and all these things are chapters in a book. This was another chapter. This is not going to make you put the book down. It's, a, it's an no, enjoyable watch. Not. It's better. It doesn't have a major fatal flaw. It's an okay movie. There is not a moment in Quantumania that is a WTF moment. There is in Thor. Agreed. There is in Black Panther. There is in Spider Man. There is in all in Ms. Marvel. There is all of these. And in this one, there's it's just it's just kind of out there. It's laying the groundwork. Let's see what happens. Uh, Brian, first of all, uh, you have you have the Patreon, you have the podcast, you have your videos. How can people find you online? People can find me. My main place to go, youtube.com slash Brian Tong, B-R-I-A-N-T-O-N-G. You can find me on Twitter. You can find me on Patreon at patreon.com slash Brian Tong. I do a lot of tech, gadgets, devices, reviews, geek culture, a little bit of everything. And it's fun. It's my own space. And I just... I feel very fortunate to be able to do it and also be able to come on your show and hang out and talk shop and agree and disagree. But at the end of the day, we all love this stuff. That'll do it for the Hall of Justice. We will see you with another all-new episode real, real soon. Thanks so much for listening. Can't believe it or not.